Welcome to the presentation on language learning options. My name is Natalie Mullen. I'll be the presenter of this session. I am the director of the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training at Wheaton College. And in this presentation today, we're going to mainly be discussing language learning and being a missionary, specifically in the healthcare field, and what that looks like. The objectives for this presentation are to understand the biblical and humanitarian reasoning for making language learning a priority in your life and ministry on field. We're going to list some common pitfalls that medical and healthcare professionals make with language and culture learning. We're going to identify the keys to successful on-field language learning as a missionary, and we will hopefully gain a practical vision for the different approaches and methods to language learning and which might best fit your own situation. I want to introduce you to the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training at Wheaton College. We were established in 1991. We exist in the Department of Applied Linguistics and International Education. Um, we are a fully online training center. We offer training workshops and certificates for missionaries and cross-cultural Christians all around the world. Initially, we were a face-to-face -face program only and then about 10 years ago we transitioned to do everything online so during these times of COVID uh, God had really prepared us to step in and not very much changed for us actually we we found ourselves helping other people figure out how to navigate online learning and we were really blessed to do that um, we do pre-field second language acquisition courses for missionaries. So a lot of the time missions agencies will require their missionaries to do some sort of pre-field second language acquisition course, which gives you knowledge and skills to know how to better and more efficiently learn languages, as well as uh, pre-field and on-field uh, cross-cultural communication, living in ministry courses. We also have second language acquisition courses for missionaries who have been doing language learning for a while, but they want to get to the next level of proficiency. So we spend our days interacting one-on-one -on -one with missionary language learners all around the world. We are the primary training center for what's called language coaches. Uh, missions agencies will often have a person designated to help new missionaries learn language and culture in their new place. And so we provide online courses and workshops for those people. And that's kind of considered missions leadership training in that we help them you know, work with policies and assessments and things like that. We do missions agency consulting. We're all the time meeting with different missions agencies. And we love to help them examine what their policies are for new missionaries in terms of on I'd also like to take a moment to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Natalie Mullen. I, like I said, I am the director of ICCT. I have been with ICCT for almost 14 years now. Uh, I have been the director for about four years. In my previous life, I was an ESL teacher. I was a missionary in East Asia, and then I went to the University of Illinois, got my master's in TESOL. I was an instructor of ESL there for about 10 years. I got my PhD there in education policy and organizational leadership so that I could do more um, work and research and participate more fully in Institute for Cross-Cultural Training. Um, I've lived in Spain and China. 
I have research interests, I, I publish. And the main thing to know about me is that this is my calling. I thought at one point in my life that I was going to be the one that would go to the mission field. And then God changed all of that. I met people at the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training, and God really showed me that this was my calling. This is how he was going to use my life for the call to the nations that he had given me. So as you are listening to the conference, where I'm really glad that you're here, and you may be here because you feel God prompting you to be called to the mission field, I'm praying for you because I know that you may not know exactly where you're headed. I was there at once too, at one time as well. But just like God did in my life, I know that he's going to give you a special direction. You're made for something special. And maybe at some point, language learning is going to be a part of that. So it's my joy to talk to you today about that big task of language learning and how that might be able to fit into your life in the future. As I was preparing to speak to you through this presentation, I connected with some of our current and former participants in our online second language acquisition program. And I, I connected specifically with the medical professionals. And uh, you'll see a couple of quotes from uh, a couple of different families in this presentation. And I wanted to start out with one from Ryan and Chelsea. They're missionary doctors in Niger. And of course, they gave me permission to share this. When I asked them, what did they want to tell you as future medical professional missionaries, perhaps? And here's what they said. Good language is absolutely necessary for meaningful long-term ministry. Language ability also directly correlates with how long people remain on the field. He is the God of all languages and nothing is too hard for him. We are believing that. They are in the middle of language learning as well as serving in hospitals during the COVID crisis. I'll talk a little bit more about them later, but that's really the heart that they wanted to communicate to you, the importance of language learning. They knew it before they left, but now they know that even more, that it would not only make their jobs and ministry difficult in terms of hospital ministry, but it would also make their life a lot more difficult if they weren't able to form relationships with the people around them. All right, so I'm telling you and Ryan and Chelsea are telling you that language learning and culture learning is absolutely essential to your life as a missionary in the healthcare field. All right. That's great. And we could motivate you to say that that's important, and then I could send you on your way. But I think we all know that it's not exactly as easy as all of that. It's hard, and there are a lot of barriers. So that's where we want to start. So, okay, it's important, but why don't people get there? Okay, it is true that it's difficult to find a lot of healthcare professionals as missionaries on the field, specifically American healthcare professional missionaries, who actually have a very high level of proficiency in the language of their host culture. Okay, that it is what it is. And what we want to talk about is why is that? What are the barriers to learning a new language and long-term effectiveness and stability for medical and healthcare professional missionaries? Whenever we talk about barriers to learning a new language, we always need to start with motivation, all right? The biggest predictor of success in adult second language acquisition is motivation. It is not aptitude. You can take a, a language learning aptitude test, and that's great, and that'll give you some insights into what language learning will be like for yourself. Um, the, but the... But the main thing is motivation. It's, it's not time, okay? None of us have enough time for anything in our lives, but we all know that we make time for what's important, okay? And you make time for what you're motivated to make time for. Motivation is key, 
All right, so I actually want you to take a minute and jot some things down. Uh, hopefully you have a pen and paper or you have your computer right there or your smart smartphone to take some notes. I want you to think about the questions that I have here on the screen. Take a moment and consider and jot down these things for yourself. What is your motivation for serving and wanting to be a missionary? Another question, what are your biggest motivators in life in general? What gets you motivated? What gets you going? What wakes you up in the morning? And then what happens when you're not motivated to do something? Okay, we all get demotivated or unmotivated. So when you're not motivated to do something, how can you combat that? How do you combat that? How do you deal with things in your life where you're unmotivated? What's the best way to handle that for yourself? And then right along with motivation, our emotions play into that, okay? Managing our emotions is a big part of staying motivated for language learning. So what helps you manage your emotions, and I'm talking here especially negative emotions, like when you're experiencing failure and stress. What helps you manage your emotions? Okay, so hopefully you took a minute to at least think about some of these things. This is one of the, or if not the biggest barrier for learning a second language. It's the lack of motivation, okay? Part of the lack of motivation for medical professionals might be that you feel like you can do your ministry and you can do the quote unquote job that you went there to do without learning the local language hardly at all. Maybe you have an interpreter, uh, maybe the local population, a lot of people learn English in school in their daily life so they, the people that you're serving to some degree know some English and, and maybe it seems like it's enough. Uh, maybe not a lot of other people around you in your missions agency or your team spent a lot of time learning the language. And so then you think, well, why do I need to do that too? Okay, a lot of things go into motivation. So for whatever reason, people just don't feel motivated to learn language. And that's really a huge barrier. All right, another barrier I think to being a successful language learner is a lack of knowledge and skills about languages and language learning in general, okay? And the thing is, preparation is key for this, all right? But if you didn't get the right kind of preparation or enough preparation, then you're gonna really stumble through this and it's gonna be a lot harder. So. I recommend that you take a pre-field second language acquisition course. You know, you could take one like ours through the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training or, you know, somewhere else, but you need to know you need to know theories and information about what it's like to learn a language as an adult. Okay? And you need to know yourself in that. Uh, you need to know something about linguistics, which would be included in a good second language acquisition course. So you need to know maybe the phonology, the phonetics of a language that you're learning. Understand basic things about linguistics and grammar. Understand what um, being able to communicate really means in a language. You know, there's a there's a concept called communicative competence where it's not only just grammar, vocabulary, and pronunciation, but it's also something called sociolinguistics and pragmatics where you actually need to use the language appropriately. You should take a cross-cultural communication course. Okay, so this relates to what I talked about, sociolinguistics, okay? This relates to being appropriate in the culture. This also has to do with understanding who your host culture is and what their deep held values are, what your deeply held values are, and how those two interact together, okay? And better understand that so you can have better, so you have more longevity on the field so that you can last there longer so things won't be as frustrating or when they do get frustrating, you'll at least have a better understanding of why. 
part of a lack of knowledge and skills, if, if they do have that, a way to combat that is to get a language coach while you're on the field. Okay, so a lot of people who don't do well in language learning don't have anyone holding them accountable. They don't have anyone in their team or their organization asking them how language learning is going. Okay, and now you can keep track of that on your own if you're extremely motivated and you're prepared with a lot of knowledge and skills. You took a really solid second language acquisition course. You have a good understanding of linguistics. But if you don't have that, and even if you do, you're going to need someone to help you push through the hard times and to help you problem solve. Get a language coach. Okay, and then. Another thing, just start learning before you go. A lot of people are completely unprepared when they get to the field and never even looked at or tried to learn some simple phrases of the language that they're getting ready to learn. But there's no reason for that. Start learning now. If you feel like your heart is moving towards a certain place in the world or a certain language group, start learning now. There's all kinds of online resources. Uh, you probably know a friend from that region. Ask them to teach you a few things. Just start now, okay? In general, we see that people fail in language learning because they just didn't go and weren't prepared with the right knowledge and skills to learn a language. Now, I don't want to make this sound like it's the individual missionary's fault completely if they're not successful in language learning, okay? Sometimes it's the policies and precedents that are set on the field before you even get there. And then if you aren't aware that those policies and precedents actually can change and you can do something about them and that it doesn't have to be that way, then you're probably not going to do it. But what I'm telling you right now is think about and be aware, ask good questions about what are the language learning policies of your team, of your organization, of the place that you're going. You may or may not have those clear in your mind. And to be honest, your team leader and your organization may or may not have a clear understanding of what those policies are either. Okay, this is what my research is in, all right? I help organizations figure those things out. It's not as clear cut as you can just look on your organization website and see what what is the language learning policy for, you know, Niger and my organization. It doesn't really work like that, okay? So in order to kind of see what those policies are, you want to ask some questions, okay? So what does your organization want from you and expect from you in terms of language learning, all right? So this can be a barrier, right? Because maybe they actually have zero expectations for language learning for you. That also means they're going to provide zero accountability. Now, I, I also don't want to blame the missions organization and things. I mean, you know, we all have our, our strengths and areas for growth, right? But that's a big barrier when, when there's lack of clarity in terms of what's expected and there's a lack of expectations there, okay? 
another thing is what are the precedents that have been set? What do, what have others done on your team or in your organization that have similar roles as you? Did they go to language school? Did they actually get two years to focus only on language and culture learning before they were required to work in a hospital or a pharmacy full time? Or more often than not, if if I'm meeting with a missionary and they haven't been very successful in language learning, part of the reason is because there's really no precedent for someone like them focusing on language learning. And that can be for a lot of reasons. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about those reasons later, but that, it, you know, the precedent set there really can influence how someone is successful or not in language learning. And then we have our own expectations too, right? I, I was a missionary in East Asia, and to be honest, I, I mean, I did know a few phrases, I've literally a few phrases before I went there, but I didn't have this expectation that I was going to be a wonderful uh, language student when I got there. I, I was teaching full time when I went there. That, that was what I went to do as well as church planning. And so, you know, I didn't seek out uh, language classes when I got there. And so then my language learning was very haphazard along the way. Your own expectations can also really cause you to fail. Uh, does your organization have exceptions to language and culture learning policies for medical professionals? This is actually really common. I, I see this all the time. Uh, missions organizations will have some pretty great language learning plans and accountability programs and things like that for missionaries in general. But then when it comes to medical professionals, that all gets thrown out the window, okay? Because they, they see a doctor or a nurse practitioner or an optometrist and they send them to a region where the need is great right we all want to go where we're needed right so you go to where the need is great and then there's a lot of pressure for you to just hop in and start practicing medicine when you haven't really taken the time to be a learner in the culture and with the language and so then you get really busy and overwhelmed is the life of a doctor in a very overwhelming medical situation. In addition to you can't understand anything that's going on around you that's not translated to you. And you're in a different culture with major culture shock and culture stress. A lot of people can push through for several years in that type of circumstance. Okay. But we don't see many people last very long when that happens. They don't last long on the field. Huge burnout happens. And part of that is because you just can't adjust to life and culture and build relationships in a place like you need to if you don't take time to learn the language and culture. Okay, so it's, it's something to really consider. All right, what, how long do you think God is calling you to be there? Uh, what, are you, what do you wanna do? Who do you hope to get to know? And, and if you want to be there a long time and, and you want to build relationships with local people in your host place, then language and culture learning, you have to make that a priority. And that should not, you should not be an exception to the language learning rules. God has a purpose and a plan for all of us. And sometimes we don't learn language and God uses us greatly and uses your skills greatly. And that's fine. But it is something to consider. What is that communicating to the person that you're with and the person that you're trying to serve?
Okay, so some of the barriers to being a successful language learner are motivation, lack of knowledge and skills, the policies and precedents of the organization and the team, and then, you know, life happens. Life happens. Family stuff happens. You have babies. Kids need a different type of education. Something happens with your family back home. You know, maybe you have physical health issues for yourself or your family or somebody on your team, and that takes a lot of time. It takes a huge toll. Disasters happen. You know, natural disasters happen. Pandemics can happen. That has certainly affected people's language learning. Your overall mental health and well-being is huge. You know, that kind of relates back to motivation in some ways. You have to take care of your mental health and that doesn't always get to be a priority when, when you're under such stress. Uh, culture stress, you may have heard of culture shock. Culture stress is just a kind of this existing state that you're in, okay? That it's just a lot of stress. You're more tired just from living in a different culture in a cross-cultural setting. You all of a sudden want to take naps and you've never been a nap person. I mean, culture stress is real. Maybe there's spiritual battle. Okay, I mean, that's also very real. We know that. That affects your daily life. That affects your schedule. That affects how much time you can put into something like language learning. And then, you know, relationship dynamics with your team, your family, and your locals. All, all of these things are draining. Okay, and it's just life. This happened. Life happens. But these things can contribute to setbacks in language learning, okay? So one way to think about this and to kind of combat that is to plan for setbacks, all right? Think about what you might wanna do. What would the priorities be when big things happen in life, okay? Talk with your team leaders, talk with your supervisors, uh, talk with your supporters and communicate to them what's important to you. Ask them to pray for you about these things. Ask for them to pray with you about what should take priority in certain times in your life. Because we all know, you know, their uh, priorities in our life are shifting, right? Sometimes, you know, things just have to take our attention a little bit more. And more often than not, in a missionary's life, especially if you're a new missionary and even if you've been there a long time, language learning gets thrown all the way out. Okay, so if we know that that's a tendency and we know that that also is not good for longevity and, and mental well-being and all of those things, then, you know, talk through that and and think of think of some solutions and and you know think of in ways that you can remind yourself and your family and your team what's important as i mentioned before i reached out to some of our participants in our our online courses and uh, I got a wonderful quote from Elizabeth, who is a missionary in Southeast Asia. She said, aside from highly recommending your language acquisition course for anyone moving abroad, I would note that the perfectionism of medical professionals can be a barrier to language learning. Thinking about second language acquisition in conjunction with application of phonetics, which was basically absent from my previous formal language learning experiences, was transformative. Seeing language learning as a ministry and not a prerequisite to ministry was also life-changing. So in there, you know, she mentions a couple of barriers that I think probably really relate to a lot of you that are listening to this presentation right now. Perfectionism, okay? Being a medical professional takes a lot of attention to detail. You know, you tend to be people who are really successful and achievers, okay? Very similar to people in academia, right? But that need to not move forward until something's perfect can really be a barrier in language learning because one of the principles of language learning is learn a little and use it a lot. Okay, and if you're learning a lot to get a good grade in a class or pass a test or impress a tutor, 
you may not be taking the time you need to use it a lot. You end up using it a little. And then at the end, you end up not being able to use it very much because you didn't practice using it. And you were trying to, quote unquote, learn too much at once. So, you know, no, that feeling of not being able to use the language perfectly right from the bat, we, we do see that that really can inhibit a lot of people in their language learning progress. And that's where she's coming here, coming from here. And then the other thing, uh, before she was in our course, I, she and many, many other people come to us and with the mentality of language learning is a prerequisite to what I'm actually going there to do. Okay. Some missions organizations actually do require medical professionals to spend one to two years in full-time language learning before they ask them to practice medicine in a hospital, for example. Well, that's great. I mean, that's, that's important. You have support there. You know, that's good policy. That's fine. But then our attitude can be, that's just a hurt, another hurdle I have to jump over, right? Hurry up and get those two years over so I can actually practice medicine or so that I can actually serve in a pharmacy. And so this, this change in mentality, okay, that language learning is not a hurdle to jump over, but language learning is ministry. You learning to communicate and relate to the people that Jesus sent you there to love and serve. That is ministry. That's not something you have to do before you get to do real ministry. That is ministry. That was life-changing for Elizabeth, and I think it's a wonderful thing for you to also consider. All right, so I said that maybe the most important contributor to adult second language learning success is motivation. So I thought we should probably dig into that a little bit more. And I want to talk a little bit about the biblical or theological underpinnings of being motivated to learn another language and culture, okay? And we're also going to talk about some of the sociopolitical and historical things to consider as well. I have coined a term, revelationary Christian. Okay, and I got this from Revelation 7, 9 through 11. Probably many of you know this scripture. This tends to be one of those, you know, missionary scriptures. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Revelation seven, nine and 11. This is the ESV version. A revelationary Christian values nation, tribe, people, and language just as much as our Heavenly Father does. God made a point to talk about language when Scripture talks about worshiping God in heaven. Think about that. There are a lot of things that are important in our earthly life, right? But language, every language, that is so important and valuable to God that it is in Scripture. A revelationary Christian puts as much value in all nations, all tribes, all peoples, and all languages. All right, so think about what does it mean to be a revelationary missionary, a revelationary 
medical professional, a revelationary doctor, a revelationary optometrist, a revelationary nurse, a revelationary pharmacist, someone who values languages and peoples and cultures as much as God himself. That is my prayer for us all, that we become revelationary Christians and value language so much that we put as much effort as we possibly can into helping other people know that God values them, their culture, and their language just as they are. And how do they know that? Because I value it, and I'm learning that culture, and I'm taking the time to learn your language because my God cares about you. I want to talk about another scripture that I think is really important as we consider motivation for language learning and cross-cultural communication and just living and serving cross-culturally in general. Okay, I would point you to Philippians 2, 14 through 16. In ESV, it's this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I have to say that I have done my fair share of grumbling and disputing as a missionary and cross-cultural worker, I am sorry to say, and I have certainly repented from that. I also want to recognize that that those feelings are a normal part of the cycle of culture shock and culture stress that you're going to feel, okay? However, this can really become a danger. We want to recognize that those feelings might be there to some degree, but just like another part of scripture reminds us, you want to take every thought captive. Okay, so you want to throw away the bad thoughts and don't dwell on them. It, it, it's quite difficult sometimes to not complain about the culture that you find yourself living in, about the difficult language that you're trying to learn. Okay, but learner attitudes greatly affect the outcomes of language learning. This relates to motivation. Okay, so adult learners, we need to know how to manage our negative emotions, like feeling like a failure or like extra not great competitive. And as Christians, we, we want to, of course, consider our theology, right? And how everything we do fits into God's word. And we also want to consider other things as well. We want to consider historical, we want to consider history, power, 
and language and how that all fits together. Okay, so I have a few questions for us to consider as I walk you through what it means to consider and think through these things. So here's a question. What is the history of someone like you being in a place and space like that? Okay, so if you were in a previously colonized francophone country in Africa, okay, where the marketplace language is French, all right, what's the history of someone who looks like you in a place like that? Even if French isn't your first language, okay? Do you look French, perhaps? And if you do, what? how do people feel? The people that you went there to serve, how do they see you, maybe, because of that history, okay? And then what are the power dynamics of your identity and your role and your patients' identities? What are the historical power dynamics of someone who looks like you and someone who looks like them in that space? Okay, what role has language played in the history and politics of the place, space, and people you serve? What role has language played? If you are serving in a previously colonized country, okay, Language was used as a way to try to make people subservient. Language was used. So many, many places in the world have had the experience of an other coming to their country with a lot of power, okay, and demanding that they throw away their own language and replace it with the colonizer's language. We are going as missionaries and representatives of Jesus Christ. Okay. We're not going as, you know, people from the past and, you know, whatever. We're not colonizers. All right. However, we need to think through even how people might view us merely by our presence there, okay? And let those thoughts and this history of dehumanization that they've experienced, specifically through language and language control, okay? Let that motivate you to be different. Let that motivate you to be the one who actually takes the time to learn their language instead of making them learn yours. In addition to asking some of the missionaries that have been through our program, I reached out to some other people who are in the ministry of training missionaries and, and working in missionary care. And this is what Jeff, a mental health counselor to missionaries, had to say. If you don't have one national friend who isn't an English speaker, the likelihood of long-term service is really reduced. If it never feels like home, you're always fighting to stay somewhere foreign. Having a friend, a real friend, someone who you have a real relationship with that does not speak English, that is from the place that you are there to serve, can make all the difference in the world in how we feel about where we're living, how we feel about the language that we're trying to learn and whether or not we actually put in the effort and the time to learn that language and to love the place that we're living and serving. Okay, so we've dealt with some theology and some heart. Now I wanna to get to the research, okay? So there's actually quite a bit of research out there regarding medical professionals working in learning in environments where they don't speak the primary language of their patients, all right? And the evidence is clear. Patients need medical professionals who speak their primary language. 
I want to just read you a quote from um, a, a resource that, that I, I really enjoyed reading through. Um, Language discrepancies may result in increased psychological stress and medically significant communication errors for already anxious patients. Something to which patients in language congruent encounters, like shared primary language, are less vulnerable. Moreover, it's not just language that can cause barriers to equitable health care. Inequities inherent in the social dynamic of the patient-practitioner encounter are well-documented, and these inequities occur independent of whether primary language is shared. Understanding language in the context of a medical encounter is thus critical for understanding the problems that might result when patients and healthcare practitioners speak a different primary language. Let me sum that up for you. It is a huge problem when the medical practitioner and the patient don't share a primary language. It's difficult when they don't share a common language. Okay, it doesn't have to be your same heart language or primary language. It, it doesn't have to be that. But if you don't have a good common language, a common language that you both can communicate in, wow, I mean, all of the things that you know about patient care are just even more difficult. Okay, and trust is even more difficult to build. Rapport is even more difficult to build. Bedside manner, all of that, whether, you know, follow through in your recommendations. I mean, all of that language is a huge factor in that. Okay, the research is very clear. If you want to read some studies on that, I um, put the article here that I pulled the quote from, and I really like their resource list. Um, there's books, there's articles, people are studying this, and conclusions are all really similar. Okay, so... We've talked about barriers to being a good language learner and really learning the, a second language. We've talked about motivation. We've talked about theological underpinnings, a little bit about history. We've talked about the research. So what does that all mean, Natalie? What do we really need to do? Let's get to the nuts and bolts here. All right, let's just start with policies, okay? First of all, Ask for time to focus on language learning from the beginning. Like I said, there can be policies in place, but a lot of the time there are exceptions made for medical professionals. And that's actually a policy. Okay, I'll tell you something about language policy. It's rarely written down. It's almost always ad hoc, and it's always contradictory, almost always. Okay, so a policy in an organization that's really common that I see a language policy that I see a lot is that for medical professionals, they don't need to spend time learning language, period, okay? So you have to fight for yourself for that. Ask for time to focus on language learning from the beginning, all right? And then you need time and put that into your life and sustain that language learning throughout your life on field. The other thing, um, with policies, don't take a break from language learning to practice medicine, all right? Instead, try to incorporate language learning using the language that you know, practicing the language that you know, work, working on your fluency into your lives and your practice with your patients. There's no reason why language learning has to happen in the classroom and ministry has to happen in the medical setting. No, it can all be integrated and happen together. Use the language that you're learning while you're practicing medicine, okay? Ask for accountability and frequent language assessments and evaluations. Part of policies of your team and your organization include assessing your progress in language learning. Ask for assessments. Ask for evaluations. Ask for help. Ask for prayer from your supporters, from your team leader, from your teammates. Ask your organization or your team for a goal to reach, okay? Ask them what their policy is. You're basically, sometimes you have to co-create the policy with them, right? Ask them what proficiency level would be appropriate to try to reach in a given time in my situation, okay? And if they don't know what that means, then you get in touch with me. Give me an email. Give me a call. I'll help you work that out with them. And then ask for resources, okay? Part of policies are the resources that are set aside for language learning. Ask for money. 
as well as asking for time because language learning takes both. Even if there are policies in place that don't seem to be congruent with successful language learning for you, I see it happen every day those policies change, okay? And take it from me, this is my field of practice. This is my research. Language policies change. They're very, very dynamic, okay? So things can always be changed. Don't be afraid to ask for change. Another practical thing you need to do is prepare. I would say a pre-field second language acquisition course is not optional. In some missions organizations, they say, if you want, you can do one of these. I really don't think it's optional. I think it's a must. Reach out to us. We can get you connected with those SLA courses. Have a plan. All right, go to the field with a plan. In our SLA course, we help you make a language learning plan. We help you think through, are you gonna do full-time study for a while? Are you gonna do part-time study? How long is that gonna be? What about your family situation? What about when you need to go into the hospital and work and how can we integrate that with language learning? You need to research all of your learning options once you get there. Are you gonna to go to a language school like a university or private institution? Are you gonna be expected to get a tutor and learn that way? Uh, is there some sort of method that your team uses, like growing participator approach, GPA, or a LAMP? Um, are you expected to just do it on your own personal study with at-home resources? Uh, do you need to get a language helper and plan units and lesson plans? Okay, research your options so that you know what you're getting into. Don't just show up and then say, okay, now what? Just tell me what to do, right? No, you need to take control of your own language learning and plan for setbacks. Life is going to happen, I guarantee it. So plan for that. Have some ideas for how you're gonna keep each other motivated, how you're gonna plan for rest and breaks and also consistency in putting in the time and effort to work, okay? And then part of preparation is asking and putting in place a language coach for yourself. ICCT can be a language coach for you. Hopefully your organization has some. Give, us, give me an email, give us a call. I can help train people in your missions agency. That's also part of preparation, having accountability in place. Then you're gonna implement your plan, right? And you are gonna start language learning right from the beginning, maybe even before you go. I mean, that's really ideal right from the beginning and you are going to continue until you leave. I wanna tell you about a story of a missionary to Russia. He was at one time our associate director at the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training. He and his family were in Russia, I, I usually say something like 25 years, something like that. He His Russian was so good that he was the president of a university in Russia, okay? This guy has his PhD and second language acquisition. Okay, talk about being prepared. Do you know what he did? He had a language helper that he met with once a week, once a week to work on his Russian. He met with that language helper until the week they left Russia. That is what the experts do. That is what good language learners do. They start at the beginning and they do it until they leave, okay? Make your plan proficiency-oriented. Make sure that you're working on proficiency goals, okay? Beginning, intermediate, advanced goals like that instead of I'm going to learn language for a year, okay? Because I don't know how much you're going to learn in a year. That's not really going to tell you very much. That's not a that's not a great goal to have, okay? Implementing the plan, you wanna make sure that you work towards actually using language that you can communicate and use that's helpful for you. That's proficiency oriented, okay? Make it a balanced approach. Uh, we really, at, the, at ICCT, we really believe in what's called an integrated resources approach. Basically what that means is that you use all of the things at your disposal to do language learning. Go to a language school and have a tutor and have a language helper and study at home. I mean, you know, it. a lot of the time I'll hear people say, well, I'm not going to do that one because the team said that they didn't really like it. A lot of people didn't really like that language school. Okay, well, ask them why. Okay, don't assume that one type of language learning is, isn't going to work for you because it didn't work for someone else. That's a really bad assumption. People are different and people like different things and need different things. 
the most important thing here is that as you're implementing your plan, don't just get a magic bullet or a magic formula and think, okay, as long as I just follow this one method and then, then I can just trust them or as long as I go to the best language school or if I just have the best language tutor, then that's all that I need and then I'll just trust that person and they'll get me where I need to be. No, that's not the way that it works. You have to take control of your own learning. You have to implement your own plan. And part of every good plan is evaluation, okay? Every month or so, I recommend that you check your language learning goals and see how you're doing. It's usually really encouraging. It also kind of tends to get you back on track in case you've gotten off track, okay? And then you rework what's not working. Don't keep doing something that's not working. Try different things at different times of your learning to match what your needs are and what works for you. Don't be afraid to try new things and set new goals. Evaluation, serious evaluation of your language learning plan is a part of being a good language learner and meeting your language learning goals. The final thought I want to leave for you today is that revelationary medical professionals show Jesus. And what does it mean to be a revelationary Christian, a revelationary doctor or nurse? It means that just like our God mentions specifically the different languages that will be worshiping God in heaven at the throne. We too value that and we show others how much God loves them and values them by showing them how much God loves and values their language because we are learning their language and we are crossing the bridge to them. We're not asking them to cross the bridge to us. Just like Christ crossed the bridge and came down to us, we're not getting good enough to be with God in God's presence. Jesus came down to us. That's the incarnational ministry of language learning. And that's my prayer that this will motivate you as you think about what it means to truly live a revelationary Christian life on the field as a missionary. God bless you.